Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Damien Grossi show on the NBC Sports Radio and the NBC Sports Radio app. Football season's upon us, folks. Yep, that's that first Sunday where people cancel everything they're doing just to stay home and watch football. No brunch no parties, none of that afternoon stroll stuff between the hours of 1 and maybe 11 p.m. Most people who watch football, breathe football, love football, will chain themselves to their big screen TVs, pop open a sixer, invite people over to watch the game, and all the outside world pretty much comes to a screeching halt. With that being said, we're going to lead off with something called the prognostication game. And with the prognostication game, it's a matter of just looking at the point totals and the point spreads. And for those who are interested in recreational shenanigans, wink, wink, uh, can get a better idea of what to expect. And since I'm a New Yorker, we're going to focus on the New York football Giants, the New York football Jets. How about that? So week one, game one. New York Jets. Who are they up against? The Cleveland Browns. Yes, the Cleveland Browns. They're still there. Nope. They came back, folks. If anyone wasn't paying attention, they came back in 99. They still haven't done much. It's like they never left or they never came back. But yeah, they're back. Anywho, line opened up at 2.5. That was the point spread. And again, let me preface to the folks at home. This is for entertainment purposes only. This isn't to be done professionally. It's illegal to gamble anywhere but in Nevada. Wink, wink. So don't go crying to me if you put your mortgage up on any of these two picks I'm going to give you. I didn't do it. It's not my fault. Don't blame me. Please don't don't send your bookie after me. Don't have anyone trying to break my kneecaps a la casino. These are just my own personal picks for entertainment purposes only. So again, the New York Jets opened at a two and a half point favorite this week because they're at home. And for you novices out there who know nothing about sports betting, that's pretty much a pick 'em game. Uh, the only reason why is because you got the home field advantage. So 2.5 to 3 to a field goal is the norm uh, for picking the favorites and the, over, uh, the underdog and the favorite. Again, I foresee this being a battle of the place kickers as neither offense really showed anything in the preseason. So I'm looking through my crystal Damien ball and it's going to be a 15 to 12 affair. Yes, 15 to 12 in my brainstem battle of field goals. Uh, unfortunately, Jet fans, you don't come out on top. Cleveland takes this one 15 to 12. So if you're a betting person, I say take the Browns and the points. Moving on to tonight's epic showdown between the New York football Giants and the Dallas Cowboys, the hated Dallas Cowboys in Jerry World on NBC 8.30 p.m. Lined opened up, Dallas up five and a half as the five and a half point favorite. What that means for you newbies out there is that they're almost a touchdown favorite going into tonight's game. So what does that mean? If you were a betting man or woman, because I'm not, I would say take the Cowboys to actually cover. Uh, 38 to 24 is what my crystal ball is telling me. 38-24, Eli tries to keep it close thanks to the McAdoo offense in year two. 
too many defensive backs hurt for the New York Giants. I see Romo and Witten having a field day. It's going to take some time for Spagnolo's defense to actually make some sort of dent or difference. So, again, 38-24. Take the Cowboys, even though they're the favorite. And it pains me to say that as a Giant fan. But that's your smart bet. And, again, this is for entertainment purposes only, folks. We're not putting up the house. We're not putting up the college tuition for the kids. You're just taking these things with a wink and a nod. Again, entertainment purposes only. So let me rephrase that for all you folks at home. 15-12, Cleveland Browns over the New York Jets. 38-24, Dallas Cowboys over the New York football Giants. Again, the Damien Grosser Show on NBC Sports Radio and the NBC Sports Radio app. Now that I've took off my Swami hat, Let's put on a different hat. Let's put on the hat of let's look at the schedule hat. Okay. Why am I doing this? Because I can. It's my show. Why am I doing this on week one? Again, it's week one. We have room for joy. We have room for excitement in our teams. You should be excited. I'm not, but you should be. So let's look at the New York Jets upcoming schedule. Okay. Remember, folks, Geno's out four to six weeks. So that gives enough time for Mr. Harvard, Ryan Fitzpatrick, to try to get assimilated to this new offense, to try to lead these Jets to some victories while leaning on the defense. And if it's anything like the Rex Ryan days, even though Todd Bowles is the new coach, I don't see him changing up the formula too much. Run for your life. So Cleveland Browns today. Next week, the Indianapolis Colts. Then followed by the Eagles, the Miami Dolphins, the Washington football team, and we'll round that out with the New England Patriots. So, I already predicted that the Jets were going to go down 15-12 to the Browns. So, that's 0-1. Looking at the Colts game, really? Really? At the Colts, indoors, on the track, with Andrew Luck? Yeah, you're looking at 0-2. Then they take a trip September 27th to see the Philadelphia Eagles. Joy! Chip Kelly's offense led by the brittle, yet effective Sam Bradford. I see that going in the Eagles' favor also because that high-powered Philadelphia offense is going to put up some points on that Jets defense. Let's be honest here. So we're looking at 0-3 Jets fans. It's not looking too good. So then you follow up with a trip to South Beach. And unless the the Jets can stay off the beach and focus, I mean, Ryan Tannehill was year, year four of the Tannehill regime. He's improved in every season he's been in the NFL. So I can see this being a close game, but for some reason I see I see the Jets pulling this one out since it's a since it's South Beach, it's warm. Eh, plus it's I don't know, it's just gut feeling. So we're looking at what, one and three going into the next game against the Washington Redskins. So the Washington football team, they're in disarray, they're horrible. Let's just move on. Let's call that a W for the New York Jets. Okay, guys? So now you're looking at 2-3 and three going into the game on October 25th against the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots. I'll say it again in Foxborough. Do I have to go any farther? Enough said. That's a Patriot W there, folks. I'm sorry. There's no... Unless I get proven otherwise, unless the Patriots somehow bomb after the dismantling, sort of, kind of, that they put on the Pittsburgh Steelers offensively, where basically pretty much the offense was just Gronk, Gronk, and Gronk. Uh, yeah, we're looking at, let's see here, let's do the old tabulations, because I'm bad at math, and I've always been bad at math. So we got one, two, three. We're looking at two wins, four losses in their first six games. 
And if they're lucky, if they beat Cleveland, but like I said earlier at the start of the show, I don't see that happening. So we're looking at a 2-4 and four potential start for the New York football Jets, and that's with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now take a, t- take a step back, Jet fans. I know you're probably going to scream at me and say, what the hell's wrong with you, Damian? You're not even a Jet fan. No wonder you're picking it like this, you homer. <sighs> Do you see it getting any better with Geno? Do you really see it getting any better with Geno? Now I've seen some people predict that the Jets are going to contend for a, a wild card spot. I'm looking at the schedule. With the exception of the Raiders, Redskins, and Jaguars, I don't see a lot of, maybe the Titans, I don't see a lot of cupcakes. You don't think, you don't think Rex Ryan's going to come ready to play when the Bills come to MetLife Stadium? Or if, when the Jets go up to Buffalo, then they're not going to come ready to play? You don't think Tom Brady and Bill Belichick can have the potential to sweep through the Jets as they tend to do? The Dolphins always are throwing in the Jets' side no matter what happens. So I'm looking at the schedule, man. And based on the offense that they're putting out there, again, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, maybe the Texans, six. I'm looking at a seven and nine football team. So some people are picking the Jets to get a wild card. I don't see it. I see a six and ten, seven and nine football team. I mean, let me know what you guys think of the prognostication game. 347-792-8687. Do the Jets have a chance to be better than the 6-10 or 7-9 record that I've prognosticated? Let me know. Damien Gross' show, NBC Sports Radio, NBC Sports Radio app. Coming up, we take on the other team. The other New York football team. And no, Buffalo, I'm still not talking about you. The New York football giants. Damien Gross' show, NBC Sports Radio, and the NBC Sports Radio app. Welcome back to the Damon Grasso Show on NBC Sports Radio and the NBC Sports Radio app. Before the break, I was talking about the win-loss records of the New York Jets and how I see them as a 6-10 and team or a 7-9 and team. I just don't see them having enough offensive firepower to even compete in the AFC East this year, let alone compete for a wild card. Now, on the other side of MetLife Stadium, we have the New York Football Giants, who again are a feast and famine franchise the last few years, led by Eli and Coughlin, Coach Tom Coughlin, I should say. I predicted earlier that the Cowboys would outright beat the Giants tonight. I'm standing by it. I'm sorry. I'm a Giants fan. I know, but I'm admitting the fact that it seems on paper, because, you know, that's how we play these games, right? On paper, that the Cowboys are a much better team than the New York Giants, specifically with the Giants defense being in shambles. But, Let's look ahead to another game after that. The Atlanta Falcons after that. Home against the Falcons for the home opener. Yeah, no. I don't really see that being a problem for the New York Giants. Then that's followed up with a home game against the Washington football team. And they pay a visit to the long-forgotten New York franchise known as the Buffalo Bills and Rex Ryan. Then home against the Niners. So we're looking at, let's see here. One, two, three... Possibly a three and three record to start the season, and if the if the breaks happen four and two, because you never know what might happen when they go up against the Cowboys tonight. Even though I've predicted a loss, but I'm would you be happy with that? Would you be happy as a Giants fan with a three and three record going into I, I want to say one of the most important seasons in the New York football Giant history in, over the last let's say five years. Eli with his new extension, Tom Coughlin pretty much coaching on a year to year basis. Jerry Reese, just the clock's been ticking on Reese for a while now. How much can can they ride the goodwill of those two Super Bowl titles that are getting older and older 
as we go on. Again, 347-792-8687 is the number. Damien Grossi Show on the NBC Sports Radio and the NBC Sports Radio app. I'm a Giants fan, I'll admit, but I'm trying not to be a homer. I'm trying to be realistic here. And if I'm being realistic, this looks like maybe a 9-win team. At best, a 10-win team if everything breaks right. But as with the Giants, it's been the last few years, they have the potential to be either really great or really bad. I mean, yeah, they brought back Steve Spagnolo, and that's great and all. But he doesn't play defense. He just designs the defense. I referenced all the bargain bin defensive back help they've been getting. I mean, they signed Stevie Brown only to cut him literally four days later. They still got Brandon Merriweather, who last I checked was nothing more than an old school safety playing in a new school NFL. Yeah, I, I don't see the defense even mounting any kind of stoppage. I mean, no, no JPP. There's really no dominant, what, DeMonte Moore? You're going to give me DeMonte Moore on the defensive line? He's still young, raw, and unproven. John Beeson's hurt already before the first game of the season. He had, what, one good year, one good eight-game stretch of the Giants two years ago, but now we're comparing him to, like, to be the savior of the, of the linebacking core? That hasn't been addressed. The linebacking core has not been addressed. The defensive line, while it may seem like it's vaunted, I don't see it either. So Eli's going to have to put up 38 points every freaking game to have a chance at trying to make this a 9-7 and team, a 10-6 and win team. Uh, let me reset. I know Eli just got his extension, and it's going to take him until the end of his Giants career, and that's great. But how many more times are we going to have to deal with seeing Eli throw pick after pick, have a four-touchdown game one day, and a four-interception game the next? He can't save the team all by himself. The running backs, Rashad Jennings, like, are you really impressed by him with all, what did he do last year? Meh, didn't impress me. Remember, the Giants weren't a great team at all last year. So now we're supposed to pin all the hopes and dreams of Giants fans on an uneven team. A team that's supposed to be predicated on offense and just average on defense? That doesn't win in the NFL. Look at Aaron Rodgers. He's always been an offensive mastermind. He's always been a maestro at the quarterback position. But what, with the exception of last year, have they really, I mean, they got the one Super Bowl ring. Eli's got two. Eh. Are you really satisfied with New York Giants this year, Giants fans? 347-792-8687 is the number. Am I crazy? Am I just really being annoying right now? Am I trying to troll you on purpose? No, I'm not. I'm trying to be a realist here. I've seen the New York Giants the last two years with my own two eyes, with my 2020 vision. And it's the same thing. Giants have potential to either do great things or stink up the joint. I see more of the same. Again, best case scenario, 9-7. and seven. Worst case scenario, another 7-9 and nine season, 6-10. and 10. But are you really excited to go 8-8 eight and eight again, Giants fans? I'm not. 347-792-8687. Give me your thoughts on the New York football Giants and the New York football Jets. But New York sports fans, there is hope out there. And yes, I use the dramatic word of hope. What am I talking about? Find out next on the Damon Grasses Show, NBC Sports Radio, and the NBC Sports Radio app. Welcome back to the Damian Grasses Show, NBC Sports Radio, and the NBC Sports Radio app. Before the break, I mentioned having hope, the dreaded word of hope as a New York sports fan. 
but unfortunately, I'm not talking about any of the New York football sports teams. I'm actually talking about one of the New York baseball teams. No, not those guys in the Bronx. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the guys from Queens. You know, the place where the rents are starting to get a lot more higher than in Brooklyn. Yeah, over the Triborough RFK Bridge. Yes, now you're getting it. City Field, those guys. Yeah, the New York Mets. Yes, yes, I said it correctly. The first place New York Mets, who as of this recording, are now nine and a half games up on the Washington Nationals, trying to exercise the demons of Mets past with collapses in September. Even though David Wright's one, if the only person that's still involved with the New York Mets since those collapses back in 2007 and 2008. They've, went, they've won six games in a row. They send John East today to the Hill to try to complete the sweep of the Atlanta Braves, the hapless Atlanta Braves. How many years have, have, we, have we been able to say that? <laughs> the Braves are hapless. The Nationals are falling apart. The Marlins are the Marlins. The Phillies, well, we already know what the Phillies are doing. Nothing. So the New York Mets sit in the catbird seat, as they say. Not for nothing, but... What has what does that mean, the catbird seat? I, I don't have Google on me at the moment, but that's always been an interesting term of, of usage. Catbird. Did we just combine them two into one quadruped, one animalistic nonsense that's like a mutant? Is it like a chimera? You know, the catbird? Anyway, sorry guys. But yeah, the New York Mets. Even though they're nine and a half games up on the Nationals, there there is something to be played for. Okay, I mean, it's pretty much penciled in that if the playoffs started today, the Mets would play the Los Angeles Dodgers. As I stated before in previous episodes, a battle of Hollywood versus the hustle and bustle of New York City versus the concrete jungle. The ghosts of the Brooklyn Dodgers that spawned the birth of the little brother New York Mets. So you got that rivalry going on. And I have addressed the pitching staffs going up against each other. But here's a different take on it. Here's another take. The Mets are playing for home field advantage. Because right now, as it stands, they're only a half game out to get that home field advantage against the Dodgers. Now, people are saying home field advantage in baseball really doesn't matter because baseball is one of those games where the home crowd really doesn't make a difference. But there is a way it does make a difference, having home field. Now, if they met in the first round, it'd be best of five, three three games to two kind of thing. So if the Mets were able to procure a better record than the Los Angeles Dodgers, they'd play three of their games at City Field. Why is that important? Because City Field, if you look at the Mets pitching breakdown with the starters, is a lot safer confines for the Mets starting pitching staff than being on the road. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at Matt Harvey. He's 8-2 at home. Noah Syndergaard, 7-1 at home. Jacob deGrom, 6-3 at home. And everyone's favorite chubby, jiggly, steroid user convicted person, Bartolo Colon, Seven and four at home. Now those look like impressive numbers for the home team, but only the Groms being able to keep those numbers relatively consistent on the road. His ERA is probably what two runs higher on the road as is at home. Syndergaard's only won once on the road all season. Harvey now on his quote unquote innings limit, as I put it up in air quotations. He's been dominant at home, yeah. But he's only won four games on the road. Syndergaard, one game on the road that I referenced. DeGrom, five games on the road. You don't think home field is going to matter? 
pitching in the, the safetiness of City Field. Think about it from another perspective. Think about it as, a, as your everyday life. If you travel for business, don't you think you'll feel more comfortable be working from home instead of traveling on the road all the time, trying to work out of hotel after hotel, going to other people's meetings? Even if you're hosting a dinner party versus going to a dinner party, you know where everything is in your own home. You know how to set it up in your own home. You know how you operate within the confines of your own home. You really don't think that's going to matter in a best of five series? Especially with all the arms I'm talking about going at each other. Grinky, Kershaw, Harvey, Syndergaard, even Matt, DeGrom. Being home for the New York Mets, that's a little something different than being a home for a Dodgers fan. I'm sorry. It's just a different energy when you have New York sports fans who are rabid and rocking the stadium as opposed to what you see in the Hollywood. What you see over there in Dodger Stadium with the late coming crowd who are too cool for school to show up on time for a baseball game. I'm looking forward to see playoff baseball in New York City from a team not known as the Yankees. You got this youthful energy, this, 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 I don't know, it's like a fervor starting to develop. But man, just think about three games at City Field, what three playoff games can do to this team. Again, Damon Gross' show, NBC Sports Radio, NBC Sports Radio app. Again, I'll admit I'm a Met fan, but I'm really hoping I get to see a full five-game series in the division series between these two teams, just to see them go out. I, I, if I get to see a whole bunch of pitchers' duels, I'm happy with that. That's going to make my day. You know, you're, you're going to get maybe the occasional 10-6 to 6 game because the bullpen of the New York Mets is not that great. But just think of the possibilities of the starting pitching battles. Just think about game five. Who do you put out there at game five if you're, if you're Terry Collins? And for that matter, who do you put out for game one, two, three, etc.? Who do you bump from the rotation? 347-792-867 is the number. Play Terry Collins for me. Folks at home, call up. Send me an email, Damon underscore Grassi at hotmail.com. Give me your starting five for the rotation against the Dodgers, especially if the Mets get home field advantage. So let's play manager. When we come back, Damon Grassi show, NBC Sports Radio and the NBC Sports Radio app. Welcome back to the Damon Grassi show on the NBC Sports Radio and the NBC Sports Radio app. Before the break, I asked you to put on your managerial caps when the New York Mets hopefully go up against the Los Angeles Dodgers in a best of five series in the NLDS. So, I have my hat on. I got my starting five. Let's see where it takes us, shall we? So, I have to have my old-time baseball rhetoric out and ready to go. So, game one, who do you start? Do you start Matt Harvey, the man who actually has a limit on the innings pitch cap he's going to have? Or do you go with the reigning National League Cy Young winner, Jacob deGrom, who has been the most consistent starter the Mets have had all season? Or do you take a chance on a wild card with Steven Matz coming back from injury from his, I guess, his lat tear, uh, who's been pretty dominant in his return back to the lineup? You go deGrom game one. And here's why. You do it because he's the most consistent starter the Mets have. You, ha- you go with him because he's the one with the least amount of innings cap of all the five stars you have. There's some talk about going with Bartolo Colon with game one, but you don't do that. You don't put a guy who's 42 years old who relies on just guts and guile as your game one of the MLB, P- of your MLB playoff starter. You don't do that. 
There's no way in hell I put out Bartolo Colon. And yes, he's battle-tested. Yes, he's a major league vet of 20-some-odd years almost. But you got to go with the National League reigning Rookie of the Year, Jacob deGrom. Him, he of the 1.74 ERA at home, fingers crossed for home field advantage. And it's not, I mean, it's a two, it's almost a two-run differential in ERA on the road, but still 3.64 ERA as of this recording on the road, not bad. Wouldn't you want that going into it rather than uh, Syndergaard and his one win on the road for game one or Harvey on his innings cap? That's what I do for game one. I start to grom. Now, for Game 2, based on everything I've said, would you really still start Harvey? Would you start him? No, I wouldn't start him either. You know who I go with for Game 2? Steven Matz. I go with Steven Matz. If the Mets are on the road, I go lefty with Steven Matz. Why? His arm's fresh. He's been damn near dominant since he's came back from injury. The Dodgers have pretty dangerous left-handed hitting with Adrian Gonzalez at first base. I think you start Matt's game two if it's on the road. If it's at home, I think you start Bartolo Colon. I honestly believe you start Bartolo Colon game two if the Mets are at if the Mets are at home. That's just me. I don't know. I, I talked about the guts and gal, especially if the Mets are down 0-1. Do you really want to trust the young guns with a, a must-win game two situation? Going into the Dodger Stadium. I actually start Bartolo Colon. That's just me. Game three. Hmm. I think that's when you finally unleash the Harvey bullet. I'd say he's rested. He's been he's going to do spot starts here and there, split starts as they've called it, where maybe he'll just go three and a half innings just to keep him sharp. But this that's what keeping him sharp is for, right? So he can pitch in the playoffs. So let's just say the bets are down 0-2. You put the bulldog in and see what he can do. He wants to be the man, right? He wants to be given the ball when the chips are down. Now, there's a high, a high probability that the chips would be down game three, backs against the wall, every other cliche you got out there. So you got to trust somebody. Do you trust Syndergaard if it's on the road? No. You already burned out Cologne potentially in game two, so you can't go to him in game three unless Matt's pitches game two like I suggested. But if we're really going to play paint by numbers, you're looking at Matt Harvey starting no later than game three. And I know they're going to try to trot him out there for game two. But with this whole innings nonsense, you're looking at him starting no later than game three. Maybe he can come out the bullpen for game five or games uh, for game four or five. I'm sorry. Again, Damien Gracia show NBC Sports Radio and the NBC Sports Radio app talking about who I put out for this New York Mets starting rotation in the playoffs. So let's just say Mets are up 2-1 on the Los Angeles Dodgers, and they don't have home field advantage. Do you go to DeGrom game four to shut the door? Do you throw Nice out there? Do you throw Cologne out there? I think if you have a, I think no matter what, 2-1 or down 1-2, you throw out Jacob DeGrom. You go, what you, you go with the best. You go what brought you to the dance. And his consistency, as I referenced before, has been paramount in the Mets actually standing a chance in these MLB playoffs. So you go to Grom game four. That leads us to game five. Who do you go game five? You have to go to Matt Harvey. 
I mean, it, it's either Matt Harvey or Steven Matz because you're not throwing John East out there and you're not throwing Bartolo Colon out there unless you have to, unless it's necessary. You don't put Syndergaard out there game five. He's probably in the bullpen by this point. So you either go with Matz or you go with Harvey. Now, depending on the innings cap, if you want to save him and you want to do a split start where maybe Harvey starts, dominates the four innings, turns it over to Matz for game five, that's okay. I, I'd get behind that because this is where we get tricky. This is where you get tricky with the innings limits and you don't want to burn out the young arms. This is why Dusty Baker had it right when he was trying to ride those hot hands of Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor back in the day with the Cubs, even though it blew out both their arms, and I'm sorry that happened, and I know that's what the, the front office of the Mets are trying to avoid and what those players' agents are trying to avoid happening. But you're here to win now. If you can win a ring now, don't, don't play the whole, well, I have to stop pitching in 109 innings or else you know my agent's going to get mad at me. Stop it. No. You want to win? Win. Play. Pitch. Back, and I hate to do the back in my day routine, but man... If I would have, if my father would have heard Tom Seaver say something like that or Nolan Ryan, my dad would have had a coronary. Uh, it, it's baffling how this innings thing is going to get in the way of potential postseason run of the New York Mets. Come on. Game five, DeGrom. So let's recap. And again, this is all because the Mets would either get home field advantage. I think I'm going to do it more so the Mets have home field advantage. Let's just say. Games one and two. DeGrom, Matt. Syndergaard doesn't pitch unless game three is at City Field. Game three, you go Harvey. Game four, back to DeGrom. Game five, you want to do a split start between Matt and Harvey or Matt and Syndergaard or Harvey and Syndergaard or whatever combination of those you want to use, fine. If you want to keep playing the tinkerer, fine. But if you want to win, Matt Harvey's got to pitch, man. He's got to go. He's got to earn his keep. And I haven't even started on the lineups. I haven't even started on the actual <laughs> the actual people who are going to hit during this series. Because think about it like this also from the Mets' offensive perspective. What do they have? Everyone's hurt. It seems like everybody's nursing. And I know that's a thing in baseball where everyone's nursing some sort of, some sort of nagging injury. I mean, Murph's dealing with a quad. Lucas, Lucas Duda's dealing with a back. Who else? David Wright's finally um, rounding back into shape. But who do you play in the outfield? Kadir still got a hurt wrist. So, for the Dodgers series, at the plate, you keep Granderson, you keep Cespedes, obviously, in the outfield. If it's, Cler uh, if it's Clayton Kershaw, you put Kadir at first, you sit Duda. You put Lagaris in center, Cespedes in right, and you, and you put Granderson in left. Third base, the captain has to go. Shortstop, you keep Flores because he's third and short and now shortstops and OPS. He's like a cult hero now, so you can't take him out. Second base, you put in Murph, as I stated before. First base, you got Kadir, and you got Travis Darno catching. That's the and if it's a righty, take out you take out Ligaris, even though he's great. You can put him as a defensive replacement. He's great with the glove. He's a former gold glove winner. I get that. We all know this. But if you want to win, you got to put your best team out there. And Duda, if you're hurt, I understand him toughing it out. But he's still useless against lefties. He still can't hit a lefty to save his life. So if you're going to be going up against Kershaw twice in the series, Kadar's got to be playing first. And then you have to put, put Lagaris in the outfield. 
Or do you roll the dice and have Luca, Lucas Duda, and I keep calling him Luca. I'm sorry. I don't know why I keep doing that. Put him up against a lefty, which he's been prone to be useless against. Maybe you move him down the line. Maybe you hit him seventh. Who do you lead off with? These are interesting questions that Terry Collins is going to have to figure out. Here I am waxing poetic about the pitching. But man, you got to worry as a Met fan about the hitting. More so, who do you play when you have too many people who can play and they're all getting healthy at the same time? Again, let me know, 347-792-8687. Who's in your lineup? Who's in your rotation? Damien underscore Grassi at Hotmail.com. Damien Grassi Show, NBC Sports Radio, and the NBC Sports Radio app. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.